Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hello and welcome to another action-packed episode of the Open World Podcast. I'm so excited that you could join us today. It's been a bit of a hiatus. We haven't published any new episodes in a few months, and I'm really excited that we're back. We're back on the saddle here, ready to start rocking and rolling again. I've been quite busy the last... <laughs> All right, still still, clean, still doing a bit of cleaning behind me, so... <laughs> Try to minimize some of this. All right, all right. Should be good. So, hello and welcome to another episode of the Open World Podcast. We have an action-packed interview prepared for you today. I'm joined by my friend and kindred spirit, Lloyd Hester in Manchester, England. And in today's episode, he's actually going to be interviewing me and he's going to be coming on to help me a bit as a co-host for the Open World Podcast. We've had a bit of a hiatus for the past few months. I've been busy working on this new action-packed book, uh, this new value-packed book. It's called Dr. Growth, and it's all about how to hack online marketing to use automation and growth hacking so that you can get more leverage in your business, so that you can have more freedom, so that you are the captain of your business instead of being a slave to it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to cover some of the material in the book. Lloyd's going to be asking me some questions. We're going to be sharing a bit about our business adventures. Lloyd's a kind of an OG in this business game. He's been all around the globe. He owns properties in different countries. He's dabbled in all types of business ventures, both offline and online. We're going to be talking a bit about that and sharing some of the lessons that we've learned, some of the ups and downs, and uh, where we go from here. So. I'm really excited to have Lloyd join me on this podcast and also be doing some interviews to uh, interview interesting entrepreneurs around the globe for you guys. And really excited to get this podcast uh, kicking off again. And we're going to have some great episodes for you guys. So without further ado, Lloyd, thank you for joining me here. It's great to have you. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here, uh, Danny. Really, really excited. So tell me where you're calling from today. You're home in England, right? Yeah, I, I live in a, a village outside of Manchester in uh, what is not very sunny England at the minute. And uh, why don't you tell me a little bit, uh, me and the listener, a little bit about your backstory. You know, give me a brief overview of your bio because I know you have a long bio. So. <laughs> that's because I'm, I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> But, but I really admire it because you're always doing something interesting. You're always taking action, you know, win, lose, or fail. You, you always have some idea and you execute on it. Yeah, well, actually, that's exactly what I think about, about you, actually. But uh, I, I've, uh, I think I've been unemployable most of my life. So from the age of 17, 18, I run my own proper businesses, although I used to, you know, I was a bit of an entrepreneur at school. But I, I run bricks and mortar businesses uh, from a, a very young age, really, and uh, from that perspective, I, I've done many different things. I've had a lot of failures, and I've had quite a few successes. Luckily, I've had more successes than failures, which means I've got a roof over my head, um, and uh, you know, able to support the family. 
but I just enjoy different challenges. You know, I, I, I suffer with, uh, I suffer is the wrong word, but I have attention deficit disorder, um, which wasn't diagnosed till I was uh, an adult. And I think that's part of the reason. I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that same thing. You know, we have loads of ideas and have trouble keeping their mind focused on one thing for any length of time. <laughs> and that's definitely me uh, all over you know trying new things all the time and you know it's my my issues is trying to keep focused but luckily you know the things that I do uh, tend to uh, earn me money but I, I've sort of tried to focus more although I still have bricks and mortar businesses rental properties and a few other physical products that we sell I am trying to get more and more online uh, focused uh, so that you know digitally like become be able to become the digital nomad which at the moment although we're able to travel uh, I haven't quite got the freedom that uh, that you and a lot of the other nom- nomadic adventurers have <laughs> well you're certainly on your way and it's it's really remarkable the leverage that the online world provides you know the as far as you know, being a broadcasting platform being able to reach a lot of people around the globe there's going to be people listening to this interview around the globe and, um, you know, also just like simplifying our lives, the way that it's demonetized everything, the fact that we're having this call for free from different corners of the globe. I'm here in Bangkok today. You're in Manchester. But I want to take a moment, you know, listening to what you said. You said that you were classically unemployable. You said that you had attention deficit disorder. In the beginning, did you ever feel like you were kind of like a square painter? Did you ever feel like there was something wrong with you that you just had to, at some point you finally had to yourself completely? Um, actually, yeah. I mean, the, the you know, as, as at school, I was classed as the naughty boy, you know, the one that was always making people laugh and doing silly things and, <laughs> and uh, you know, it was... You know, the sort of guy that the, 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 the school, I mean, it's a lot, it's changed a lot now what, what teachers can say and can't say. But I mean, I, they always told me I, I'd be a total failure. And, um, you know, because I didn't listen, I wasn't that well behaved at school. And, uh, you know, even though they were, I was quite smart, you know, they used, to, I think I used to frustrate them because they knew I had the ability. If I put my mind to something, you know, I would learn it really quickly. But the trouble is, I'd pick it up quick and then I'd get bored and want to go on to the next thing. So I can definitely relate, you know, so I was kind of a trouble kid myself and, you know, really never fit, feel like I could fit in, you know, I, I didn't like going to class, you know, I tried to get out as much as I could, I wanted to be outdoors, I wanted to be playing and I really felt like a lot of the stuff they were teaching, like I just didn't feel like it was relevant, I felt like it was boring, I wanted to, to do other things, <laughs> had other interests. <laughs> and what sort of interest was, what sort of interest did you have as a youngster, was it was travel in your mind from a really early age? No, it wasn't actually. I think the what drove me was learning, and um, I, you know, I actually really did like learning. I just didn't, I didn't like learning what they were teaching us. You know? <laughs> and I find that's the way with a lot of people, like a lot of really high performing achievers. You know, they aren't the most well rounded. Like you look at Michael Phelps, for example. Like he's a classic case that he had ADHD. His mother said he couldn't focus on anything in school. He loved to swim, you know, that was what he was born to do, was to swim. And look at Michael Jordan, you know, he was born to to shoot hoops, you know, to, to make three-pointers and make free throws, you know, slam dunks. Uh, you know, they don't really strive to be well-rounded, and they focus really on their strengths and bringing out the best that they have to offer. And I think a big part of how far we can go as individuals is 
being able to identify what those strengths are, you know, being true to our core and not trying to fit into someone else's expectations or, you know, someone else's expectations of us and how we should be. What do you think? No, I agree. I, I agree with you. And, and do you think that the traveling, do you think that difficulty in holding your interest is what's made you desire to travel so much and see the, see the world and take on adventures rather than sort of set down in a traditional job or set up business in, you know, where, where you're, where you're from? Well, honestly, I don't know if I have any particular talents, but I do have a talent that I'm, I'm quite open-minded and I'm, I'm really receptive to ideas, especially, you know, input from people who I think are good or smart, uh, who are more successful than me. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a humility where like, I'm willing to embrace what other people teach me and, and kind of feel like I'm, I don't have everything figured out, you know, like there's always room for improvement. So I really just was influenced when I was young by, you know, some successful people, internet marketers, you know, Tim Ferriss, everyone's read that book for our work week. Yeah. But when I was starting out, like I really wanted so badly to, to be successful on my own, you know, kind of create something for myself. I had a father who, you know, was quite successful, always an entrepreneur, and I really just adopted the things they taught me. Like when I started out as an internet, you know, started out in internet marketing, I had a degree from the Advertising Institute, but I really had no idea what I was going to do. And the first internet marketing program I spent money on, it was $3,500, and I was about 23 at the time. I'd never had that much money in my bank account before. And all I could afford to pay was like the very first installment. So that was like $500 or so. And I had to pay that for like six months. And somehow I made it work. You know, I managed to get some clients and I was doing like video marketing, SEO. I was using this platform. It's called Traffic Geyser. And I managed to kind of scrape together some clients that way and kind of scrape together a business. And the entire time I was, you know, reading a book a week, everything I could get my hands on whether it was Dan Kennedy or Claude Hopkins or Bob Berg or uh, Robert Cialdini, you know, the book Influence, like all these marketing books, all these sales books, all these business books, and really trying to, to get myself up to speed as fast as I could. And as far as the traveling aspect, you know, I just felt like at some point I was kind of spinning the wheels. I had these income goals, but again, they were kind of arbitrary. Like I wanted to reach 10000 a month or something, and I was working really hard, but I didn't really have much of a life outside of what I was doing. And, you know, I read books about, like, lifestyle design, like, you know, Tim Ferriss, and had other role models that really inspired me. However, I never really felt like it could be possible for me because it was so outside of my present reality at the time. Mm. And so kind of what I just did is, um, you know, I dreamed about having these adventures in, like, South America and stuff. But then I also had these abstract fears of, like, you know, what if I get sick? You know, I have to get shots. What am I going to eat down there? I don't, I'm pretty picky about what I. I'm pretty fussed about what I eat. <laughs> you know. And well, even out, even like, now, you, you so you you're, you're fussy about what you eat now. Still, um, a little slightly less fussy. <laughs> I still won't eat like cockroaches and bugs here in Thailand, but. Uh, surprisingly, like the opposite turned out to be true. When I went down to Brazil, I was in Florianopolis and. The cuisine there was amazing, Lloyd. I don't know if you've been there, but they have these big buffets, and they combine all these different cuisines from, like, all around the globe. So everything you can imagine, you know, is there. They have, like, grilled chicken. They have salads. They have 
gnocchi, you know, like Italian food and stuff and they have everything there. Wow. So basically you just pick and choose whatever you want and then you weigh it at the calendar and then you pay for it. It was, it was beautiful. I love the empanadas, you know, they have these broccoli and cheese empanadas that were delicious. Wow. The, uh, acai smoothies, the sucos. So it really, it was kind of a lot of those abstract fears, a fear of the unknown that was kind of holding me back. And, and I'm not like a particularly courageous person. I'm not really like some people that like my friend Justin Alexander, who you know goes and lives in a cave in India for months at a time. Um, you know, if I have a, something that I challenge, but I feel that fear, I, I want to break it down and like attack it in baby steps. So that's kind of what I did. You know, I kind of just disconnected. I went to live in Mexico for a couple months. There was a guest house where I, I knew the owner, and I could stay there for for very cheap and just kind of disconnect from the whole rat race, which I'm sure you're familiar with it in England. You know, being in the UK. Like, you know, London, I hear, is like one of the biggest rat races there. So. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I really, I can't, I, I do not like living in the UK. I mean, we lived in a small island in the, uh, the Canary Islands, which is uh, one of the Spanish islands off the coast of Africa, which has a, a really nice, uh, you know, the, the weather's good all year round, the climate's fantastic there, and never too hot, well, it was never too hot in the summer, never too cold in the winter, although the climate's changed a bit over these last few years, but... Uh, you know, getting used to island life some people used to want to get off they call it you know we've got to get off the rock me I was quite happy just in that small environment you know where there was only one set of traffic lights and they didn't work whereas <laughs> you, you can take uh, you know I mean we, we sort of got stuck in the UK because of children and education and stuff and you can't <clears throat> exams but um the, the the rat race is a is a it's a big problem for me and traffic is the is the key to that I think. <laughs> yeah, and you know to be to be clear on this, I do actually like uh, you know traveling to cities. I do like spending time in cities. I find them to be really exciting. But I just feel I'm very fortunate because I'm here in Bangkok and I can set up anywhere and so and work from anywhere. I don't have to get up at eight a.m. to fight the traffic or. You know, when I flew back here on the BTS, uh, on the SkyTrain here, I was talking with this guy. He's a local. He's a bit younger, about 23. And, you know, he's saying he's, he works at ExxonMobil. He's got to wake up at 5 the next day to beat the traffic because the traffic takes like an hour. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I had to commute to a job, if I had to, you know, check in for a paycheck all the time, I probably would not enjoy it at all. But I'm just so fortunate that... I can just go down the street to Starbucks and, you know, pull up my laptop, start whenever, working whenever I want. And for me, I, I don't really, you know, managing my time as I move around the globe, like I spend a week in each place. I think that managing time is not really what I'm after. You know, I, I really try to manage my energy and my willpower. And part of that starts from a spiritual standpoint. And I think that makes me a lot more productive because if I'm in the right place, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, I can be extremely productive at, you know, whatever it is I have to do, my biggest priorities versus if I'm, you know, trying to force myself to fit into a schedule, it doesn't really work for me. No. And, and you do, I mean, you do so many different things. I mean, you wrote five best-selling books, you've got an SEO agency, you run the podcast, you've got a great magazine. I mean, I, I really do love the Open uh, World magazine. Um, I mean, how do you, how do you focus on that and which one of those is the one that brings you in the most income that allows you to, to keep on traveling? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, 
as far as like all the different things I'm working on, um, I think from, like I said before, it, it kind of comes from a, uh, a space of non-resistance, you know? So I feel like I don't have to, to force myself to, to work, you know, like if it's something that I don't really want to do, but I have to force myself to do it. Like I want to make sure that I'm clicking on all cylinders and really engaged in whatever it is I'm doing. And to that respect, I'm not really the kind of person that likes to multitask a lot of things. I like to try to keep my work life, my personal life separate, and only focus on one thing at a time. So with Richard, Richard Bandler, he's the co-founder of NLP, and he says that you know the brain goes in directions. It's not designed to get results. So you have to set the direction. You kind of have to set the direction for your day, for half a day, um, and give yourself enough time and space to really be able to focus on the things that are the most important, the things that matter the most. And also being able to identify what those are. So for me, you know, like I try to be really kind of distinct in how I prioritize what I need to do and really identify what my highest leverage activities are that I need to spend the most time doing, the things that I need to eliminate or, you know, not spend spend a lot less time pursuing, and the things I need to just outsource, delegate, automate, things like this. And when you can get good at categorizing things like this and being a good delegator, a good manager, uh, it makes it a lot easier. And you also asked me about, like, you know, as far as income goes, I'm quite, I'm quite uh, fortunate today in that I have a number of different income sources, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of a multi-pronged answer to this question because I've spent time building up this brand, building up a platform, building up an audience. That once you have that audience, once you have that platform, it makes it far easier for you to make money than if you're starting out because you already have a pool of prospects that it's, it's like a thousand true fans. Chip Kelly says 1,000 true fans. They snatch up every product that you produce. They, you know, they sign up for your services. So once you have that mailing list, that following, whatever it is, uh, of people who are following you, who purchase your services, who purchase your products, that's when you can really have some fun. You can really start making a lot of money. You can start working a lot less because part of it is building it up and part of that takes time like it takes two three years sometimes more but once you do have it it's something that you own it's something that will deliver value to to you forever so that's one part of the answer um the other part of the answer is you know i have books i have different products i've put out there i have a productized service which is the growth hacking service so that's called uh, productive panda productive-panda.com and we can talk a little bit about how i set that up that's my main revenue generator now. So uh, we have about two dozen clients for that. And um, before, when I when I started out, I, I had an advertising agency, and it was really full service. And I had to kind of manage and delegate. I started manage everything myself, and it was a lot of work. It was really time consuming, and I got super burnt out. So mm-hmm. with a productized service, it's kind of like here's a package, here's what I offer. I've systemized this so that it delivers consistent results for clients. And, you know, you can take it or leave it. And it makes it a lot easier because uh, I don't have to create custom solutions for every client, come up with new quotes for every client. It makes my life a lot easier. Yeah, and that's, and that's after all what you're, you're looking for. But just taking that back a little bit, you, you say now, obviously, you've got Productive Panda, you've got a, your books, and you've got that income. When you first set out, you know, from after Mexico and you then decided to, to travel on, how did, you, how did you manage to fund that side of your life? Well, in the beginning, I mean, I, I when I started traveling, I had clients that were all back home. So 
I started out when I got out of university. I went to these business networking groups. I went to I, I joined an advertising club, uh, San Diego Ad Club, to try to you know get some leads, generate some business. So I was doing a lot of networking and stuff, and I managed to kind of get some clients that way when I was starting out without having a lot of investment or resources. So I would do consulting, you know, because these businesses had really no idea how to market themselves. And this was a time when I was reading all the books by the experts, everything I could get my hands on. I was purchasing these, you know, programs and courses and software and leasing it out to, leasing my services out to businesses. And so once I got to the point where I could build strong relationships with these clients, then, um, you know, they would, ma- they would hire me to manage something like their SEO or their online marketing. And sometimes I would get like web design projects for like $2,000 or something like that. And these would give me income and support me. Sorry for the background noise here. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so basically like, you know, I would do these, these full service advertising and, um, it, it really, I really had freedom when I would do like the uh, have recurring income and recurring income services like SEO management or content marketing, things like this. And uh, I think that's really the key to having uh, sustainable income to make sure that you're you're secure, you know, and financially. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you don't, then you're always having to chase after a new business, and your income can vary widely. Okay, and do do you you enjoy that side of the business, or do you, you the, your productive panda? Is that something you're doing because it's something that you a job you enjoy, or because it can produce you uh, revenue and fund your well, lifestyle? I, I, set, I set up productive panda very differently. So the agency that I initially started was called Lava Link, mm-hmm. and it was really my first serious company. I really had very little idea what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> But the, the new business, I've set up, like I said, very differently. And um, at its core, it relies heavily on automation. So I wasn't, I didn't start this brand, this business, until I was sure that I had my hands on something really good here. Mm. And uh, so James Tramco calls this like a black box advantage. If you can create a business model around some kind of black box advantage, whether it's a way you deliver your product, whether it's a piece of software you have, or some other competitive advantage, then I think you can do really well. And so I had this uh, software that I was using for myself, and I was getting incredible results with this. It was called Mass Planner. Uh, they've gone underground, so I can't really talk about it too much publicly. Yeah. But uh, we can discuss it in the private Facebook group that I've created. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so I had this, and you know I was getting incredible results with it. I think this was about... What is it now? It's October, so about a year and a half ago, maybe a little more, uh, I, I set up this automation software, and I just felt incredible. I remember the day when I was like going out for my morning walk, and I was just giddy with happiness because I had this software <laughs> that was just doing everything for me, like 24/7, and it was like growing my Instagram, it was growing my Twitter, it was growing my Facebook, like doing all this marketing stuff for me, and I just felt so liberated. Like I had. Like, I cloned myself, except it was, like, a super self that never slept, never ate. And, uh, you know, like, I would look at my Instagram, like, excitedly. Like, I started out with, like, 300 followers. And then, you know, a few days later, I had 1,200 followers, stuff like this. And so I figured, you know, well, this is awesome. Uh, you know, I have a huge business opportunity here. I can offer some of these services 
to other businesses that really need them, help them to, to grow their platform, and also help them to generate business that way. Wow, that sounds quite that sounds quite a good way to make money because I, I think you're, you're right in, in running, in moving around and traveling. I think processes, systems, and automation are without doubt the number one key uh, to the success to enable you to travel. Otherwise, you know, you end up having to fix yourself up at certain times of the day to work. Um, you know, and then you find you although you might be in a different location, you end up doing as much work as whether you were sat it sat at home. And uh, also the automation, and that's what I like about the online digital world and books, is that it does free your time up to choose when you decide you want to work. It's fantastic, and it really is the key to working a lot less. And I, I know the objection that some people will have here when you know they hear automation. You know, uh, they might say, "Oh, well, you're creating spam," or "Oh, you know, you're at risk of." getting banned or getting blacklisted or all this stuff. And, you know, it really is like, it depends how effective it is. It depends on you basically, because there's a lot of people out there who know nothing about marketing. They know nothing about business or giving value to people. And yes, they are using automation to spam people, you know, because they're doing low quality stuff. Yeah. They're doing black hat stuff, but there's other, you know, there's a lot of room to operate here. There's gray hat, you know, you can be more gray hat where, you are giving value and you're just using automation to reach more people. Yeah. You know, or you do have a great message or you do have a great product and then you're just using this to help scale up. Yeah. And then it's not really the same. Like you have to look look at it through, through a different lens. Yeah. So Yeah, that's really how it is. Like, you know, another example like I'm currently working on a article, a couple of articles for Fast Company, entrepreneur.com about marketing automation and its benefits for, you know, really exploding your business. This is kind of based on some of the stuff I talk about in the book. And, you know, classic example. So the way that I was able to reach these editors in the first place, I was able to download this uh, list of over 3,000 tech and PR journalists, like a spreadsheet, and basically imported this into an app called Streak. And Streak performs the same automation service where I can create these mass customized emails, import this CSV, and it looks like I'm directly emailing all of them at once. Yeah. But according to the Gmail send limits, I can actually send about 900 of these emails per day. So I write one email, boom, personalize it for every person's first name, for their publication, and it might say something like, oh, by the way, I'm a huge fan of Forbes or Entrepreneur or whatever publication it might be, like it will Mm -hmm. fill in the blank. (laughs) I've been reading it for years. So, like, a lot of these people think that it's like, wow, you know, where did we meet? Did we meet at this conference, like, a week ago? Like, they really think that I'm mailing each of them personally, but I'm actually scaling it. Yeah. And when you can do stuff like that, then you really can do some fun stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's huge. I I, I think people undervalue automation. And I think there's, you know, when you talk about, well, automation, I mean, Facebook allows you to automate. I mean, you you can schedule posts. I think as long as you're not putting you know, rehashed, uh, I was going to rehash rubbish up onto the, uh, you know, the, the, the PLR stuff that, you know, doesn't make any sense, you know, when people are spamming stuff out and just sending stuff out for links. I think automation, it, it got abused. And I think any system, any new system that comes along uh, that's automated process has got the option to be abused and does get abused. And yeah. That's where it happens. But I think used properly, without a shadow of a doubt, it can ext- it can benefit your business, and I mean whether you're you know advertising and getting your name out there is key for any business, 
in any industry, in any field, because without marketing, you haven't got a business. Exactly. And, and when you apply it to marketing and you have like a, a strong marketing brain behind what you're doing, what you're automating, yeah. then it can get really, get really good. And, you know, this is the future. Like, I feel like it's just beginning because within like, you know, 20 years or so, a lot, 50% of jobs won't even exist anymore because yeah. they'll be replaced by computers or automation. It just does everything more efficiently. You know, it never takes a break. It never goes to eat, never goes to sleep, never complains, never asks for a raise. Uh, the software and automation. <laughs> so I really, I really feel strongly about this. And to kind of give you a little idea of how I tend to work, I apologize for the, uh, the background noise. There's a few other people in this space here. It's not a problem. It's not. It doesn't. It's not interfering really. Okay. <laughs> it's a bit distracting to me. But um, so to give you a bit an idea of how I like to work, um, I, I will always try to create some systems, but First, I will try to look at a process and see what do I need to eliminate completely? What do I just need to ignore? What do I need to focus on? So the first step I take is eliminate. Second, I try to systemize. So by systemize, I try to identify what the best practices are, what the key things are to focus on. Um, after I've done that, then I will automate this, applying some of the best practices that I've identified in this process. And then if I can't automate something, I will just... That's the last step is I will outsource it. I will delegate it. For that, I will use Upwork. So yeah. if I identify a, something that like a human needs to do that I'm doing as part of this process that I need to be able to focus my attention elsewhere more better, like whether it's serving my clients better or gaining more clients because that's directly impacting the revenue versus posting pictures on Instagram you know, for my clients. That's yeah. something that's really low value. That's something someone can do for $3 an hour. Yeah. Then I'll outsource that. So that's kind of the four steps, like, you know, as far as my process works. First, eliminating things, identifying what's prioritizing, what's really important. Second, you know, kind of creating a system, which is just kind of a set of steps to deliver a great result consistently. Automating things at this point, once I have things dialed in, I do things manually a bit to identify what the best way is, and I'll scale it up and automate it. And then anything that I can't automate, then I will reluctantly uh, <laughs> hire someone to, to manage for me. Uh, so... Based on that, then, uh, what is to you a good work-life balance? I mean, what sort of time do you spend working as opposed to living these days? And how does that compare to when you first started? Um, well, <laughs> when I first started, I think I wasn't too engaged in what I was doing. I didn't feel too strongly about what I was doing. It was just kind of something I did to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I got to the point where I was kind of just chasing after money to fund my lifestyle, fund my adventures, and that was really the motivation behind it. So I was very fortunate after some time, I, I really learned a lot, you know, I was educating myself all the time, and I was really only working about two hours a day for a while, and I was able to travel and do stuff, I was able to get in all these adventures, but I felt terribly bored and kind of demotivated by the work that I was doing, and I really had to remind myself that... I had to do this to, to fund my adventures. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, I read books like uh, Tony Shea's Delivering Happiness, and, uh, you know, he described the three different P's of happiness. So I realized I was kind of pursuing pleasure, which was the first P, but there's stronger forms of happiness like passion and higher purpose. And these are a little bit, you know, more difficult to, to go after, but they provide a more lasting fulfillment. So I was pursuing pleasure. I was in some aspects, pursuing my passions. 
but now I feel like my work is kind of much more rewarding because it's more purpose-driven. And I really don't mind uh, doing it. I really enjoy what I'm doing as long as I'm making sure that I'm, I'm helping people as much as I can. I'm giving a lot of value at the same time. That's really the key driver for me. And the, the money is just kind of a, a byproduct of that. Yeah. So as far as balance goes, um, I, I mean, I, I don't really, I've never really been a strict person personality. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, I, I work when I'm, when I feel like working, I, I take breaks when I feel like, you know, taking breaks, I spend time with my girlfriend, I spend time traveling when that's really what I want to do. I kind of just ask myself, you know, what I want to do and work, like I said, work is very important to me. And if I do work like on the weekends, um, I'll never work more than half a day. I'll work maybe in the morning because I always feel like, you know, in the mornings, mid-morning, I have the most energy. I have the most willpower. So that's really a time I try to take advantage and complete the most important things that I have to do. Mm. And then I'll have like a time, you know, in the afternoon or whatever when the, uh, our body temperature actually dips after lunchtime and we get a little bit lazy, we get sluggish. Um, that's time I like to rest, you know, maybe go to the gym, maybe take some time off. So it really comes down to, you know, energy, willpower. When I had that going for me, like I really want to just get things done. I want to take on my priorities, uh, you know, the things that really are high-level stuff. And I've talked about this before where I kind of break down different business activities into different tiers based on how important they are. So um, I'll have like level one tasks, which might be like writing, mass marketing, you know, whether it's like emailing my list, 2,000 people on my list, or emailing 3,000 journalists, like that's really important stuff that I need to get down right. You know, I need to be at my best, most focused. Uh, and then I'll have other things, you know, like level two stuff where maybe it's like replying to leads, you know, via email. Um, and level three stuff might be like the, the stuff that you can just do, like you just need to click or have a pulse to do. Um, so that just might be just generally like replying to messages, things like this. And um, I'll try to do everything like batch it together you know, rather than be going back and forth. Because like I said, it's like a train, you know, you, your mind goes in directions. So you can't just stop the train and then go in a different direction, you know, and then start it up again, go somewhere else. So I'd like to just focus on the, you know, one thing at a time, get something done, move on to the next thing. I think, I think um, for me, the, the idea, I only tend to do what I want to do, what I like to do. I, I cannot do stuff. I don't like to do, which is why I think I'm pretty unemployable because, you know, <laughs> I, I can't paint a wall, for example. You know, I don't – gardening, you know, I, anything that I hate, it, it's almost it's almost like there's an invisible force that just forces me back as I try and get closer to doing it. So I think, you know, being able to – as an entrepreneur or working for yourself, that is one of the keys. And, and I've got to say, not everything I do is what I enjoy doing. Some things you have to do, but <laughs> <laughs> on the whole – I try and make sure. I'd like to add something there, though. I Go think on. that our willpower is always fluctuating. It's always in flux. Yeah. So there are times when, you know, like if you're really, it's late in the evening, you're really tired or, you know, you're in a bad mood. And it could just be something normal, you know, like emails or, you know, posting content or marketing related. And your willpower is low. So you just don't feel like you want to do this. But you can wake up later the next morning and suddenly you're in a great mood, you know, and you have yeah. a lot of energy and, and it becomes much easier. So, yeah. you know, to clarify, it's not like there's some business activities that are just suck. You know, sometimes it's just, sometimes it's you, sometimes the problem is us. Yeah. And, um, 
and then of course you know there are like if, if you find that there's a activity that you do consistently that's required for your business like you know whether it's accounting or taxes or whatever it is or posting content um and you find consistently that it's is dragging you down um then it's something that you see well can i eliminate this or can i just outsource it to someone else yeah okay yeah that, that makes perfect sense really that makes perfect sense but uh, <clears throat> a couple of things i was just thinking now your book dr growth um, what made you decide to write this one? Hack online marketing, unleash your growth, and become an unstoppable force. That sounds like the thing I need. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, I need to send you a copy of the book if you haven't checked it out already. Um, yeah, so I wrote my first book by Rhone Islands a couple of years ago, and yeah. published that in the beginning of 2015, and that was my first book. So I kind of labored through that. It was a labor of love, but it was really a big learning process. And basically what I wanted to do that time was kind of share the whole process for how I was able to uh, create lifestyle design in my own life, mm-hmm. you know, create a location independent business in this. And what I initially intended was to kind of do like a relaunch of that book as kind of like a updated and expanded version of that book mm-hmm. and keep a lot of the same stuff intact and kind of teach people how to build like a location independent business like how to create an elf business which is easy lucrative and fun versus a half business which is hard annoying lame and frustrating um so creating a business that gives you freedom in your life and as i started to work on the new chapters i realized that this was kind of just taking this project was taking on a life of its own so i kind of actually tricked myself because (laughs) i I didn't actually want to write a new book you know i was like i'm never going to write a book again it's like so much work and it's you know so little you know, it's basically a zero per hour activity until you publish the book. Mm. And so that's kind of how it started. And it kind of just took a life of its own. And something I realized, especially when I wrote my, when I published my most recent book, Hack Sleep, is that uh, whatever your book is or whatever your message is, whatever your product is, it should be something that's like easily digestible for people. Yeah. You know, they should immediately get what it is and what it does. And you should easily be able to identify who the market is for it. It should be tailor-made for the market. And so with a book that's like, you know, really try to be too groundbreaking or too abstract, like buy your own island, like you have to try to fit it to a market afterwards. And they might not understand what it actually is about, even if it has great content, mm-hmm. it's less marketable. Yeah. So with a book like Hack Sleep, it's for insomniacs. You know, everybody can understand that. It's very easy to understand. Yeah. Um, so a book like, you know, growth hacking, a book about growth hacking is very easy to understand because there's huge audiences there's there's confirmed market demand yeah people interested in growth hacking so you create a book or a product that's tailor-made for the market and it makes it much easier to make money that way yeah and that's that's really true of any business you know because i work with a lot of clients now and and part of it is really refining that message so when the in the beginning of the book i introduced people to the three m's the marketing triangle and this was created by dan kennedy he's a marketing author yep uh, the three M's are market, message, and media. And you really have to define them all well to to really hit a home run with your marketing. So before I begin any campaign, before I start to scale up and automate anything, I want to make sure that the, the basics are in place, the fundamentals are correct. So part of it is creating that killer message, which includes a killer offer to the exact market that you want to attract. So you really identify that market. And a lot of entrepreneurs make the mistake where they don't identify that market. They just say, well, anybody can benefit from this product, you know, because it's a life-changing product, blah, 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 blah. 
But there's always markets online that always markets that are going to benefit that are going to respond way better to what you have to offer. Mm-hmm. And especially in the online space, you really need to be as targeted as possible to make sure that you're using your resources effectively, to make sure that you're delivering your message to the right people. Because if you're not, you know, you're not going to get any responses. People are not going to reply if you're targeting a general audience. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's much more effective to, to do that. And thanks to the online world, it's so easy to reach these people. There's, there's no distance between you and them. No. So we have this opportunity like never before. And, and so the last M is media. So then the media is just identifying where those channels are, where those groups are, or those groups of people that have your ideal market and then delivering, finding the best way to deliver your message to them. Mm-hmm. And that's one reason why I like automation is because it helps me to amplify that message to reach more people. Great. I do, I look. I really look forward to uh, to uh, to reading that. Um, but I was I was thinking it's probably nearly time we were about to wrap up. But before we did, um, I think there are there are many people who follow you. You know, you've got thousands of followers and people who follow your adventures and and they dream and aspire to do the sort of thing that you do every day. But they don't know how to do it really, and they've got jobs or houses and friends and family or whatever, and they're scared. Um, of making that move so what advice would you give to those people that would love to make that move but haven't quite done it yeah sure so Lloyd I mean I get emails from people all over the globe and it really surprises me the the kind of emails and situations that people are in the emails that I get because you know I get People who listen to the podcast or people who sign up to the newsletter, like they might be in China or Mexico City or Egypt, you know, like a female entrepreneur in Egypt who emailed me once or Russia or whatever. And they're all in all types of different situations, but we're all linked together by um, the same psychographics, the same desires to, uh, you know, start our own business, create some freedom for ourselves, have some autonomy and some freedom, whether it's, um, you know, we're not making enough money or we hate our job or whatever it is. And honestly, there's, there's so much advice I could give. The first is read the new book <laughs> because I think that marketing <laughs> is the, <laughs> well, I can, you know, we're wrapping up here, but it can tell, it can give you a longer answer than I can, but marketing is the most important activity for any type of business. Absolutely. And it's something that's always going to be in demand for every yeah. type of business. And if you want to follow my example, um, you can get clients performing marketing services. You can learn on someone else's dime. That's what it's called. And that's one of the fastest ways to, to generate income is to, to get clients and help other businesses to reach their goals, to uh, you know, perform services for other businesses. Obviously, everybody wants to create something for themselves. That's really the, the great challenge here. However, um, you really have to look at being an entrepreneur as something long-term. It's, it's a lifelong pursuit of learning and growth. Uh, you've been an entrepreneur a long time, Lloyd. I've been an entrepreneur for for quite a while, since I was nine years old. And um, you really have to commit to just being a lifelong learner. And and you just kind of keep growing and Mm. improving on your own systems, your own processes. And yeah, really, that's kind of the best advice I can give. And, you know, let's continue to listen to the podcast because we have a lot of great entrepreneurs who share their own best advice. And that's it, you know, just keep learning, you know, keep learning, keep implementing things. Uh, movement always beats meditation. So, you know, if you find something good, take action on it. Yeah. Don't dwell on it, you know, implement. And don't ever look at anything as like permanent. Uh, 
you know, you, you complete one project, win, lose, or fail, you move on to the next one. And yeah. don't psych yourself out. You know, yeah. don't say, like, this one project or this one business is going to be, you know, life-defining. It's going to be, like, it's not. You know, you, you do your best. Um, as long as you do your best and you learn something, you never fail. Yeah. That's great. That's a, that's a, a great way to uh, end, end the podcast. I really appreciate you uh, inviting me on and uh, letting me question you in this uh, deep and probing way. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you again. Yeah, thank you, Lloyd. I appreciate your time. I know it's uh, you got up pretty early this morning, but I think you're a, a morning person anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to read your book and again, I, Hacking Sleep. <laughs> oh, you did read it then? <laughs> yeah, I had a yeah. But I, I've been suffering. It hasn't it's not a common thing with me. So for me, I, I go through stages where I start uh, you know, waking up at four or five in the morning, other times I can wake up at eight. I don't, I don't, I've got no idea what it is, you know. I've tried to psychoanalyze it, but uh, I've tried exercise. I've tried all sorts of things. But listen, it's no big problem. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me, and I'm not. Uh, I don't look on it as a negative thing these days. I look at it as a a, product, a way to be more productive. I, tend, I tend, definitely tend to get more done early in the morning than I do late in the afternoon. So it's not a big thing. Right, <laughs> <laughs> writing that book was life changing for me. You know, they say that if you really want to learn a topic, you should teach it. Yeah. And this was something that I've always struggled with. And I did so much research when I was writing this book. And I, I went through the same thing as you. Like, I, I was waking up at 4 a.m. every morning yeah. and still sleeping around midnight. So I was getting, like, four hours of sleep. But I was so productive I was because I was doing this polyphasic schedule. Mm-hmm. And at certain points of the day, I would take, like, a 25-, 30-minute nap. So I would take a few naps and maybe get, like, five hours of sleep a day. But I, I always had energy. Mm. And it was it was really fun because I was I was in the center of Bangkok in Tongla and I was going out every night. I was waking up early to create my video course, things like this, get projects done. And I was going out on like parties and dates and things every night, you know. So I was like living the life. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if it was sustainable because I I, I like having a more normal schedule now. Yeah, I think I think that long term I've had my years of uh, uh, late nights and uh, early early mornings and top that with too much alcohol and it really isn't uh, uh, <laughs> it's not a way that you can you can sustain for too long i don't think uh, you're really like me you know and i think that people like us like we're, we're really active you know we always yeah. like to do things we yeah. always like to take action and that just kind of keeps us going and sometimes it's hard to get us to, to power down you know yeah well that's it because i get excited <laughs> about things as soon as something comes along you know i build up that excitement that really i, I almost feel like i want to explode sometimes because i have that that much <laughs> energy for, for a, pro, a, a project and yet you know three weeks later you know I, or even a week later even for an, another day you know I, you know i start looking into it a little bit more you know and and that sort of drops so what i've got to look it's like a wave you know that up and down is this sort of <laughs> ebb and flow and what i've got to do is try and catch that wave you know and every so often one comes along where that wave is just big and it just goes on for a long time. And that's the sort of opportunities that I look for. Yeah, so in the book, in Dr. Growth, I actually included an extra chapter, which I was really excited to write about. It was called uh, Hacking Time. And it's kind of, uh, I talk a little bit about willpower in that book. Uh, sorry, in that chapter. Mm-hmm. And, and so a part of, um, can you still hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Uh, I've got yeah. I, got a, I heard a beeping, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got you. Yeah, so part of what I, what I talk about in that chapter is managing willpower and, you know, how to, like you said, you had a lot of excitement, then it kind of burns down. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but but I think willpower is is the most sacred form of energy, and it's a big part of getting things done and actually following through and accomplishing things. And so I do have a whole section on on willpower and some different hacks to help you to increase your willpower so that you can uh, get things done, get them concluded, you know, and uh, get them done faster. So and that's in the new Doctor <laughs> Growth book. Yeah, I I really, so, you know, like I said in the beginning, initially, I wanted to kind of create a more general book about um, just like hacks in general, not just growth hacks, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, lifestyle hacks and things. And um, in the end, I did decide to include that because I I felt like I had a lot of good content that I've created, uh, that I've integrated into my own life over Mm -hmm. the years and kind of put it all together from a variety of different sources that I've been practicing. And so it's about hacking time to create a godlike aura of efficiency and speed yeah and that's one of the <laughs> chapters in the new book so. i could definitely do with that anything godlike is good for me <laughs> <laughs> well uh, let's, let's stay humble here we're not actually trying to be like gods here but you know like just just from the outside uh you know you want to be someone who gets things done who's hyper productive who yeah. prolific and efficient so that's really the goal yeah good Oh, well, on that note, again, I say thank you very much for inviting me. It's been great talking to you this morning. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks, Lloyd. It's always a pleasure to chat with you, and thank you so much for joining us on the show, and uh, look forward to having you on again in the future. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye for now.